So we want to uh, take a little time now to pray. And I've been uh, listening to First and Second Timothy in my headphones as I run all the time lately. Uh, it's funny when you uh, you grow up in church and you start a church, it's like you double check everything. It's like I assume certain things should be, and then you're like, let me go back to the word to double check to make sure I'm not just operating according to tradition or missing something we're supposed to do. We don't do. So, anyways, I've been reading through that a lot, listening to it a lot. And First Timothy two, when Paul gives instructions for the worship gathering, it's interesting. Throughout First Timothy, he doesn't give that many instructions. Like, there's the elders, deacons, there's widow stuff. There's a few things about teaching the word. There's just not that much about what you should do when you gather. But one of the things he says very specifically, 1 Timothy 2.1, is he says, I encourage you to pray, prayers of supplication, intercession, and thanksgiving to God. Pray for those in high places and authority around you, for this is pleasing to the Lord. And so I thought, man, I really think there needs to be, um, and we've been doing this. We've been talking about building this by prayer, right? We want to build this by prayer. We want, we want to be dependent on the Lord, not just like, wherever but in the service we want to pray so uh there's a couple things i wanted to do in regards to that today before we jump in the word to have a time of intercession we just have some people come up and pray so i uh, asked anna martinez wherever you're at anna uh anna's the oh there we go right in front of me anna's uh, the young life director for uh falls church and the surrounding region uh she's been doing work oh she gets some cheers yes you have fans anna has fans great they didn't cheer for me when I came up, so I see how that goes. Okay, great. Uh, so she's been faithful in this community for nine years, is that right? Uh, um, and the Lord and His providence uh, has directed her to us so we can join forces uh, and try to make a difference in the community. So uh, it says, I encourage you to make intercession for all people. So I thought, well, our all people right now, our context is this school and the people in this community. So who better pray for those people than Anna? So I asked her to come up and pray. And there's a couple more things we're going to pray about. So when she prays, I encourage you to be active in her prayer. So join with her with a yes and an amen or in your heart ask those things of the Lord don't be passive and just listen to her pray be better if we had hundreds of prayers than one okay so let's do that let's engage with Anna as she prays and let's really believe God to change the school and the students here and see some real difference simply because a bunch of Christians showed up and started doing uh, services and, and working around here so uh, we want to do that so Anna would you please go ahead and pray for us thank you God, we thank you that you created all, that many old and young are made in your image, that they are reflections of who you are. Lord, we pray for those in Falls Church High School that walk the hallways every day. We pray for those that do not know that they are created in your image, that do not know that they are reflections of you. We pray for the kids that are running to things to fill their lives, that are leaving them empty, hurting, and lost. Lord, we pray uh, that many would walk into these hallways in this community and they would tell them about you. And that kids would know that within them they have a God-sized hole that only you were meant to fill. Uh, God, we pray that we would learn about you through high school kids, through middle school kids, um, and that we would learn what it's like to be childlike in faith by being around children. Uh, Lord, we pray that this community would be transformed, that many people would walk out of this high school and they would go change the world by changing this community that kids would come to know you and they would come back and that they would be trees of righteousness here in Falls Church and in Anandaneel. Lord, we pray that this place would never be the same because this school is never the same. We pray that kids would transform their teachers' lives, their parents' lives, their families back home and their home countries, um, and that the world would be changed. Amen. Thank you. Uh, and then can I have uh, Jacqueline and Domingos come up, please? And uh, we'd like to pray over them. So there are a couple 
uh, members in our newly formed uh, congregation. And uh, Domingos has been dealing uh, with a back issue they thought was cancerous, but praise God it is not. Uh, so thank the Lord for that. Uh, but he's going to have surgery on Friday to deal with the rest of it and to hopefully bring some relief and not have an issue again. Uh, Jacqueline is presently going through chemo uh, for cancer and having a particularly rough last few days. So we want to pray for her and pray over her. So Taylor, where are you at? Uh, we're going to pray over them once again. Join with me. And once again, we want to make this normative. So I don't know everything's going on in your life. It might be helpful to you to have the body pray over you. Uh, and so we want to do this. So please come to me if it would be good or something's going on. that uh, we can lay our hands on you and pray over you together as a body. And that it comes to mind hopefully throughout the week to bring them to mind. So Taylor, would you mind praying for them? Uh, and if I can have a few y'all, whoever's comfortable with it, just come up. We're going to lay our hands on them as a body. Uh, and just encourage them and pray over them in this time of uh, physical, spiritual, emotional difficulty. We love you guys. I'm pray for you. Oh, Lord, we thank you that uh, your word says, blessed is he who hopes in the God of Jacob. Uh, Lord, I pray that we pray in that aim, that our hope is in you. It's not in ourselves or in our own effort. Lord, I pray for my brother Domingo. I pray for his sur upcoming surgery, that you would be with the doctors, that uh, we would give you praise and uh, we would worship you more for his uh, successful news, that you would guard his heart and his mind as he approaches that date, that he would not fear anything but you. Uh, Lord, I pray for Jacqueline. I thank you for her spirit and her hard work. And Lord, I just uh, pray that, uh, Lord, she would not be shaken at all at the news of um, cancer. And I pray that you give her endurance and strength uh, while she goes through chemo. And ultimately, Lord, we know that you are the ultimate physician. Uh, that you are the one who has the power to heal, who has the power to raise the dead. And Lord, we pray that if it is in your will, uh, we pray for total healing. Uh, in the powerful name of Jesus, I pray that. Um, and all those who agree, we all say. All right, well, let me pray. Uh, and we're going to jump into the Word together. But let me pray for our time. Heavenly Father. Lord, we love you. And uh, Lord, would you teach us to pray, God? Teach us to really pray and to learn what it means to trust you and to come to you and really believe that we, we go farther through prayer than we do through anything else. Things, more things get done through prayer. More spiritual change happens through prayer. So teach us, Lord, not to rush through that. Teach us, God, to live in prayer with you, Lord. So we dedicate this service to you in prayer, God, we pray. That you would work as you have been, that you would change our hearts, that you would inspire us through your word, that you would convict and encourage and challenge. And Lord, we say yes already. Whatever you say, we already say yes. Our disposition is yes. We are your servants. And Lord, we submit to your word and we will do what you ask us to do. We will go where you ask us to go. And Lord, we pray that you would empower us through your word to do that, God. So we love you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his life, death, and resurrection. We thank you for the good news of the gospel. That if all who believe in your name will be saved. This is what we live for, Lord. And I pray that many in this community will believe that because we're here. Lord, we love you. Just bless this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys go ahead and take a seat. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it to John 17. We're going to be uh, in verses 20 through 26, but we're going to look in a lot of places. So get your you know, finger flipping hands ready so that we can uh, go to other parts of the scripture. 
you know, before I jump in, the other day I was listening to a podcast just to try to grow. You know, uh, I have like a many hours in traffic every week, as I'm sure many of you do. So this is one of those times. Uh, I had left Falls Church around 5.30 and I had to go around the Beltway north in the rain. So it took maybe an hour and a half, two hours. So I, I uh, had to make the best use of my time to the podcast. And the guy began to talk about unity, and one of the things he said that really stood out to me was it doesn't matter where you're going if the right people are in the car. It just doesn't matter. Just imagine you get your best friends in the car. Does anybody care what you're doing or where you're going? No. You could go anywhere. You could do anything. It would totally be fine because you're with the right people. And then I began to think about that more. Those of you who have kids, you know that if there's peace in the car, nobody cares where you go, right? You don't care. It just totally changes everything. If there's peace, we can drive anywhere. Uh, but if there's not peace, where we're going is irrelevant because we're all miserable. So what matters is who's in the car and what's going on in the car. This is what matters. You can have 30 minutes of miserableness or three hours of greatness, and it's all dependent on who is in the car and how they're behaving. And the last three times, we've talked a lot about mission. We've talked a lot about where we are going. But today, I want to talk about who's in the car. Today I want to talk about unity and peace amongst us as the most essential ingredient for us actually moving forward. It's important to think about where we are going, but it's more important to know who we are. It's more important to love and be at peace with one another. I think we have an amazing vision for this church. I think the Word has given us this vision, and I think God will bring it to pass. But nobody knows how and nobody knows when. And so what matters the most, if we don't arrive at the destination that we would like to in the time that we would like to arrive there, is who's in the car with us as we're going. What are our relationships like? Are we enjoying and loving one another? Are we doing what God has asked us to do? So today is all about who is in the car. What kind of relationships do we need to facilitate? If you've missed the last three, I want to give you a quick summary of what we have talked about. Since we're not meeting every week, there's just a few main points. The first time we talked about making our lives count. I said, if there's one sentence to describe, why are we gathered here? Like, why are we in Foster High School? Why are we doing this at all? It's not for just random reasons or whatever. The, the simplest way to say it is, man, let's make our lives count. Let's be intentional. Make our lives count for the gospel. We talked about pursuing a holistic ministry, body, and soul. We looked at the ministry of Jesus. In Luke 4, Jesus describes his ministry, and he uses Isaiah 61. So if we want to do ministry like Jesus, we've got to know Isaiah 61 really well. That's what he referred to. That's what we would like to refer to as what he trained his disciples to do. In Isaiah 61, there's that fourfold process we see. In verses 1 through 4, the Spirit anoints someone. That person goes and brings good news and binds up broken hearts. Love and deeds. Word and deeds. Body and soul. When the person does that, who's anointed by the Spirit, there's a spiritual exchange. The lines you guys probably know, if you know anything about this chapter in Scripture, is there's beauty for ashes, there's joy instead of mourning, there's a spirit of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. And what we learned was, that's what happens, a spiritual exchange begins to happen in a community when a group of people anointed by the Spirit of God bring good news and bind up broken hearts. Once that spiritual exchange happens in the community, the, the next verse says that God plants them firm, strong, and they become oaks of righteousness. So that's what Anna was praying earlier. May they become oaks of righteousness established in the Lord. A group of people that were once unstable, walking away from the Lord, have now had a spiritual change by the gospel, and now they're firm, secure. And because they're growing and mature in the Lord, verse 4 says it's those people who rebuild their cities. And the phrase we've talked about is they repair the devastations of many generations. 
So if you want to begin to see generational change happen in houses and in communities, then we need to be a group of people who bring good news and bind up broken hearts. Let the Lord spiritually change and establish them. And then it's the people who meet Jesus are the ones who change their cities and their houses. It's not us. It's not the first group that does that. We're the simple messengers. It's God who does that through the people he redeems. And so we want to see that happen. This is the way that Jesus did his ministry. This is what he wants for us. And this is what we will pursue. So let's make our lives count by pursuing a holistic ministry, body and soul. The next thing we talked about was the value of the one. We looked at Luke 15 and all the three examples, the parables Jesus gives about pursuing the one thing, being earnest to pursue the one thing. And we talked about in a culture that desires mass influence, the bigger, the better, the more likes, the more this. We are unique people who value one thing. We value one person. We celebrate one life change. This matters to us. It matters to us just as much as the great things we could possibly do. We are just as excited for one life to be changed as a hundred because we value that life. Because Jesus does. In Luke 15, we see Jesus throws a party when people return to him. In Luke 15, we see he runs after the prodigal. And God tells us to have the same mindset as him. We look through Jesus' eyes to see what people are like. We value them because God does. And when we see people through the eyes of the Lord, our descriptions and vision of them become very different. We value them. And we go after the one. So we ended with that saying, the question was, who's your one? If we're going to be a body who makes a difference, it starts one person at a time. Who's your one? Who's the one person that you know that's in your spheres of influence that might be far from God, that you're called from God to go seek after? To go bring into the kingdom by any means you can. To go share the good news and bind up broken hearts. Who's your one? We don't want to pursue the masses and pursue nobody. We want each one of us to be responsible for the people God's put in your life. So we value one. Who's your one? We talked about that. The last time we met, we talked about depending on the Lord as an essential ingredient of us moving forward. Our church plant is unique. Most church plants start in a house with five people and praise God for that. This is not that. And the human disposition is to say, oh, look, we have people and stuff. Like, hey, we're good. We can do things now. And that's not how the Lord works. We read Psalm 27. He says, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And we began to say, we constantly need to be a dependent people. You could say, some trust in resources, some trust in the amount of people in the room, some trust in the things they have. But we trust in the Lord. So no matter what the Lord does with us visibly, we're never dependent on that. We want to always be dependent on the Lord. We talked about how God will fight our battles for us. It's not about skill set or readiness, but willingness. We use the illustration to trust your gear. God's given you the gear you need by the Holy Spirit to do the things he's asking you to do. I had an email from someone that just thought about that one point that said, man, I didn't. I've been waiting to be ready. And through the spirit, I remember I'm already ready now. I don't have to like wait to go do something for the Lord. Like when life gets figured out or this or that, like I have what I need because it's God's battle in the first place. So it's empowering all of us not to wait to get trained or anything like that. We'll do trainings and it's good to learn and grow. Of course it is. But we're saying you're empowered by the Spirit. God will fight your battle. So let's go. Let's depend on the Lord. If it's not about what you're good at anyways, then who cares? Let's just go. And we talked about depending on the Lord and going into the battle. When we depend on the Lord, it creates humility necessary, but also the confidence in the right place. If I'm dependent on the Lord, I have no fear. And I'm actually more confident to go do the things God asked me to do. But from a humble place, I'm not depending on myself. So we want to depend on the Lord. No matter what kind of success may look like around us, we are a people who depend on the Lord. Five people, a hundred people, a thousand people, a million dollars or two dollars, we depend on the Lord. And that's who we want to be. So today, 
And a lot of talking about all that mission, I want to talk about cohesion. So our sentence for the day that kind of describes what we're talking about is this. Cohesion is more important than vision if we want to accomplish the mission. Cohesion is more important than vision if we want to accomplish the mission. How we are doing is more important than where we are going. I want to press this home, especially because people like me just go. We run forward at whatever cost. And we need to learn, especially if you're like me, that how we are doing is more important than where we are going. Cohesion is more important than vision if we want to accomplish the mission. I uh, had some of my, my friends there in the room, I'll leave them nameless, you know who you are, who tried to paint a dry erase board in my office. Some of you may know this story, but they didn't succeed very well because they forgot to mix the hardening stuff with the dry erase board paint itself. And so after many hours of work, the paint was still dripping off the wall. We put fans in the room, the paint didn't harden, nothing changed. We're like, what's going on? And then my, my good friends who are very loyal and faithful and they're the best, you know, we don't always get it right. They messed us up and we had to redo the whole thing. And what happened was it didn't stick because it didn't have the right mix. And what we see from that is without cohesiveness, it doesn't matter what we do. If we don't have the sticky ingredient, if we don't have cohesiveness, if we're not doing it the Lord's way, then we can paint everything we want to paint. We can do all the community events we want to do. We can try our very hardest and work ourselves to the bone, painting, 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 painting. And it's almost like we have to do it all over again because it won't stick. So we have to be cohesive. We have to be together. So let's look at John 17 and let the word kind of give us an understanding of this in two simple points and we'll be done. He says in John 17, verse 20 through 26, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, just as you, Father, in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one as we are one. I and them, you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because of the love, because you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these that know you have sent, and these know that you have sent me. I may know to them your name. I will continue to make it known that the love which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So as we see from this, it's the same idea. Cohesion is more important than vision if we want to accomplish the mission. How we are doing is more important than where we are going. So two simple things from this passage. You can write them down. Number one is the witness of oneness. The witness of oneness. The witness of oneness. Number two is the essential ingredient in unity is love. So number one, the witness of oneness. And number two, the essential ingredient in unity is love. So look at verses 21 and 23. There's just two simple so that phrases. And he says twice, hey, I want this group of people to be one. I want them to love one another well. Why, Jesus? So that the world would know and believe that you sinned. So it's the unity of the believers, people who know Jesus, that sends a message to the world that the message of the gospel is true. So to have disunity and to preach the gospel is to be counterproductive. It's to negate the thing you're very well trying to do. Jesus says, hey, if you have unity and you're one, 
This is a sign to the world that the news about me is true. In its very essence, I think there's a couple reasons for this. I think one, it makes our message more powerful because it makes it attractive because it shows the kind of change Jesus can make in people's lives. I think it gives affirmation and confidence that this is true. There's just also something unique about God's people wherein God dwells, that if they love one another, the power of God is more manifest. It has more ability to thrive when a group of people who are empowered by the Spirit love one another well. So 21 and 23, though both of those so that. So the point of this passage is to connect the theology of unity with the so that of mission. And so now we see, hey, the, the witness of oneness. Oneness has a witness. Unity is our greatest resource for productivity in God's kingdom. This is something that you could write down. Unity is our greatest resource for productivity in God's kingdom. So, a lot of people in the room is not a good resource unless they're unified. A lot of programs are not good resources unless the people in them are unified. Unity is the greatest resource. And you see what can happen when you begin to just do stuff and people maybe like each other and they tolerate each other and maybe they befriend one another at some level, but God's talking about this oneness. This like, man, I love you, you're my brother and sister in Christ. We are together in this, this oneness that he wants to create and this is our greatest resource. And I want to encourage you guys in this because it's certainly mine and the leader's jobs to help lead in this, but we have to take this on together as a congregation to say, I and you will own the unity of this group. I will take responsibility for the unity of this group. I will take responsibility for the unity of people in the lobby, for the unity of people in my neighborhood, for the unity of people that live close to me, for whatever it might be. If unity is the greatest resource, then all of us have to be stewards of that resource. And we've talked over and over again how this is participatory. This is not a show, and therefore we'll have things, especially in the service, that grant participatory action. And also, the life that we're living is not leader-driven, it's participatory. It's we're all trying to live this out together. We all have to own the resource and utilize it well. So unity is the greatest resource for productivity, which means forgiveness and repentance are the greatest actions we can do with one another. Unity is the greatest resource, then forgiveness and repentance are things we should be doing a whole lot. I forgive you just all the time, a hundred times over. I don't even have to tell you 99 of those times that you offended me. I just let it go. I just forgive you. And then I repent of the things that I do that are stupid and I'm not defensive and I let people speak into that. And I'm constantly doing that. And we're doing that together to say, man, I forgive you. Sorry. I forgive you. I'm sorry. I forgive you. I'm sorry. And we're constantly not holding on to those things, just letting them go. So if we want to be unified, there's a lot of things we need to do. But forgiveness and repentance are two of the primary ones. A final thing on this, the witness of oneness, is that proximity creates unity. So now we're just talking more realities of the world. Proximity creates unity. The closer you are to someone's life, the more you can do for them, and the more likely you are to feel what they feel. So if you're supposed to weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice, that's pretty well very difficult, and it's nearly impossible for people you don't know. I hope there's a part in our hearts that hurts when we see pain out there, and it does. But there's something about being in proximity that creates unity. And so this is why what we're talking about when we talk about lighthouses is so important. These are our neighborhood groups. We call them a local place of spiritual development and community engagement. 
It's not just a small group. It's something like that, but it's more thorough. It's where we live out the whole mission and vision of the church. It's where we live out this oneness. It's where we do this kind of things together in life together. It's not about meeting Tuesday at 7. It's about discipling one another, whatever that takes. And so these lighthouses are so important. We're going to have more actual uh, information on that soon. But if you're interested in getting involved in a group or leading one and I haven't already spoken to you, please come talk to me. These are going to be some of the lifeblood of the church to help us be unified together, particularly in neighborhood context. So keep a look out for that. Information will be on the website. But lighthouses exist to create the unity that allows us to be powerful in mission. So it's not just like nice. It's not a church growth strategy. It's not a uh, a, a way for us to create social groups. It's a way for us to actually produce unity, which is an essential resource for productivity. So if we think about our groups like that, I think it'll be more holistic. So number one, you see the witness of oneness. Number two, the essential ingredient in unity is love. The essential ingredient in unity is love. The essential ingredient in unity is love. You look at verse 26, it says, I want them to know the love that which you have loved me may be in them. So the love the Father gives to the Son, Jesus, is the love the Son gives to us. God loves perfectly, steadfastly, beautifully, abundantly. It's just amazing the love that God has for the Son that He gives to us in Jesus. It's a love that's first and foremost received. One of the things we're going to say a lot is we receive and release. We receive and release. We receive and release. Which is why these gatherings are important for your week. Because if you don't receive what you need from the Lord, you have nothing to release into the world. I tell some of the people that I help lead a lot. John 15 tells us about abiding in Jesus. And what you learn from that is if you don't abide, you burn out. That's what happens. If you don't abide and you try to bear fruit, so a lot of people are trying to be good Christians and like, you know, be nice and do the right thing, but they haven't received power from the Lord to do that. They haven't been in his presence. They haven't been with the body. They haven't received what they need by engaging with the Lord. So they're trying to do it on their own. And you can do nothing apart from the Lord. Nothing can be nice. Hardly. You know what I'm saying? It's just coming from the Lord. So we have to receive from the Lord the love of God so that we can release it into the world. And there's a huge difference between understanding the love of God and believing in it and having an overflowing reception of it on a constant basis. To say, I enjoy, abide in, experience the love God has for me. It changes my heart. It changes my mind. It changes everything about me. When I come to service, I expect through other believers in the word of God to have an, an encounter with the Lord that reminds me of his love. That helps me receive the love he has for me. So that I can experience and live in that and give it out. 1 John 4, 19 says we love because he first loved us. The essential ingredient is love. Love is not something you give unless you receive it. So we have to receive the love from the Lord. Part of what we're gathering when we gather is reminding us how much God loves us. Not just to change our thinking about it, but to raise the love of God in our hearts. So remind us that we're loved by God no matter what. That God's love hasn't changed for you. It's the same every day. No matter what you did this week, God loves you the same. And you receive that. And you enjoy that. And you just think, I was even talking to my wife last, last night. It was just like, there's been some hard things in life over the last few months. And I just told her, I've just been really reminded that God really does love me. Like for real. Like he loves me. Like a little kid, you know. He loves me. He cares about how I'm feeling. He cares about the things that are hard. He cares about my life. He cares about how you're feeling. Like, he loves you, not just theologically, but for real, like in real life. 
He loves you with a heart of love. He wants the best for you and me. And this must be the way that he's bringing it out. I don't know how that works, but I know that's who he is. He loves me. All I get from the Lord in Jesus' name is love. And sometimes it looks like discipline. Sometimes it looks like ice cream. You know, it just looks different all the time. Sometimes it looks like suffering. Sometimes it looks like vacation. It's just different, and the Lord gives what's needed. But I was just reminded and encouraged. And, you know, I've, I'm a pastor. I talk about this a lot. I've been a Christian since I was six. But experiencing and remembering the love of God is so different than just knowing that it's true. And we need to remind ourselves of that. Like, man, if it's not affecting my heart, something's wrong. God really does love you. He really does. Like, a lot. And that should just fill you up. But man, I can handle this. I'm so excited I can deal with this. So we want to experience the love of God. So that kind of love that we see from the Lord. And imagine what happens when you're so full of love. If somebody offends you, what do you do? You don't care anymore. If your cup is full, then people can't really do much to you. You're not just reacting all the time. You're not trying to get a place in life. You're not posturing for a position. You're not trying to get yours. You're not, you know what I'm saying? I'm full. I've received what I need. The Lord has given me an identity, a value, a purpose, a worth. He's filled my cup. So when you offend me, I can readily forgive because it hardly even bothers me. And imagine what kind of unity that can produce. Oftentimes we lash out and division happens because we haven't let the Lord fill us with his love. And I need you at some level more than I should. And because you did something to me, now I'm offended. And now I hold this against you. And we want to be people just filled with the love of God. But just overflow, right? God demonstrated his love for us in this. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know? Like while we were just hating him and rebelling against him. It wasn't like when we got our acts together. How did God respond to your rebellion? In love. So how should we respond to each other? In love. And when you're filled with the love of God, you can more readily do that. So we got to receive, receive, receive. We receive and we release. Matthew 22, 37 sums up the whole Christian life with love, God, and neighbor. Love is the essential ingredient of the whole Christian life. Colossians 3, 14. Get this. After he talks about being kind, patient, humble, meek, all these different qualities that we find amazing. In verse 14, he says, above all those things, put on love. Above them all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. What is he saying? Love's more important than compassion. Love looks like compassion, but above all, it's more important than that. Love's more important than any of these qualities. It's the greatest thing. If we act in compassion but have no love, we've done nothing. We've done nothing. Paul says this over and over again. So above all these things, we put on love. I love that he helps us later in that verse. Three simple things, ways to put on love. He says, be thankful, read your Bible, and sing. He says, let the word, it's more, he says it more thoroughly, like, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. He says it like a poet. Read your Bible is what he means, you know, like, really read it and get into it. Let other people share it with you. Read your Bible, be thankful, and sing. You want to experience the love of God? Read your Bible, be thankful, and sing. Read your Bible, be thankful, and sing. Read your Bible, be thankful, and sing. What should you do in your own private time? Read your Bible, be thankful, and sing. What should we do when we gather? Read our Bibles, be faithful, and sing. And these things, by the Spirit, create an experience of God's love. It allows us to put on love. Like clothes, you just put it on. So as we sing, you're putting on the love of God. Right? As you're sitting under the word, you're putting on the love of God. As we express thankfulness to God, we're putting on the love of God. These are ways we can practically do that. Love's not as ambiguous as we make it out to be. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, Above all these, so once again, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Why? Since love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. One of my 
favorite things I talk about in my wedding ceremonies that I do with people is you guys are going to offend each other. You're going to be rude to each other. You're going to be disrespectful, inconsiderate, unkind. You're going to say things you wish you never would have said, do things you wish you never would have done. But if you love one another, love covers a multitude of sins. This is amazing. Think about what this means. We are sinners and we're going to sin against each other, against the people around us. This is things we should expect to be normative. We hope we grow in, but we're not surprised when I'm offended. I'm not surprised when somebody puts me down. I'm not surprised when I say something stupid. We should all work on that, but if we become less surprised when the other person sins, it'll be less of a big deal. Because if we focus on love, you know what he says? It covers all that. So the environment, I'll talk about this with husbands. Husbands set the tone of the house. And within the tone of the house, a lot of things can happen. But if the tone of the house is servanthood and love, that covers up pretty much everything else. So if the husband sets the tone of the house to be a house of love, a house of servant living, then the little things that happen don't blow up. They're squashed. There's no room for that. Love is too thick. There's no room in the house. The love has filled it. So when the offense comes in, it just kind of bounces off because it doesn't have room in the house. The house is thick with love. And it covers. It covers the house. There's no room. We can't get in. It's like a blanket put over you. Like when I hide my pet from my kids in the blanket. They're trying to get to me and I'm stronger than them. So I just hold the blanket over me and I'm like, please let me sleep for two seconds. You know, <laughs> pretending that I'm playing hide and sleep. And I'm really just trying to go to sleep and see how that goes. This happens all the time. But love covers. And just think about if we, if we love one another really well, it's proactively pre preventing unnecessary offenses and bitterness. Let's just assume that as we live this life together, we're going to mess it up. So let's proactively love one another. Let's create a house of love. Let it be thick so that when offenses come in and words come in and rudeness comes in, it bounces off. There's no room for it here. We have covered ourselves with love. And once again, look, this is so much our responsibility. It's certainly my job to help lead in that, but it's our job to create that. I cannot create that by myself. Any of the leaders can't create We can't create that by ourselves. This has to be something we own together. Say, so as I walk in here and as I do life with these people, I'm going to cover this thing in love and leave no room for the enemy to create offense. We're going to cover in love. Love covers a multitude of sins. Finally, John 13, 34 through 35. He says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You're also to love one another. Get this, by this, your love, all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So how are people going to know you're a Jesus follower? Because you have a great like, strategy, you have a big church. You have the... No! How are they going to know you we're Jesus followers? They're going to look at us and be like, yo, you guys love each other. We've never seen that before. Y'all don't even know each other. Y'all have different cultural backgrounds. You have different preferences. Y'all should not be hanging out. But you love each other a whole lot. It doesn't make any sense to me. That's how they'll know. This is what makes following Jesus real to the world around us. So the other day, my wife was trying to make uh, Kraft Mac and Cheese. So it's these little Easy Mac things. So we have a bunch of little kids. This is very easy. Uh, you just throw it in the microwave, put some water in it, and boom, you have dinner in three minutes, okay? And... Uh, you're not going to feed all your kids kale. Don't even look at me like that. I'm like, you did it, okay? I have my friend Taylor is like, I'm not taking my kids to McDonald's. I'm like, yeah, right, son. Just wait. Just wait. Uh, just wait. Just wait. It's going to be 4 o'clock. You're going to be so tired. 
just wear somebody down. <laughs> Where's the happy meal, man? Come on, don't be all right. So anyways, when we had an easy mat, because sometimes you just need easy food to eat and nobody cares, it'll be okay. So we put it in there, uh, and what happened was, all of a sudden, the whole microwave started smoking, and the whole house filled with smoke, like in an instant. Smoke alarm goes off. My kids are 7, 4, 2, and a baby, so they're all like freaking out. It's like the end of the world to them. They don't know the difference between like, it's not that big of a deal, and our house is on fire, you know? They're like, oh, it's they're freaking out, screaming, blah, 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 and everything's going crazy. And she looks in there, and she realizes that she forgot to put water in there. So she just, like, roasted some noodles, man, with some powdered cheese. They had no water to provide the mixture that's necessary. She had left out the main ingredient. She left out the main ingredient, and the smoke alarms were set off. It didn't work. And I want us to have this picture in mind when we think about love. Love is the essential ingredient. We can put together a service, we can put together programs, we can do stuff in the community that helps people, we can do this and that. We can even have groups that meet in houses and like each other and whatever. We can do all these things on the outside, it looks great, but if we don't have love, you can run a church without love, I promise you. You can build a church without love. You can run things without love. You can look effective without love. But you can't actually make a difference without love. Love is the essential ingredient we have to put it in there, otherwise everything else we do doesn't work. And that's something we have to own together. And I hope that we create an environment, even that's so real, that smoke alarms go off when the love isn't present. We're so used to operating in love, that when love isn't there, we know. There's an alarm that goes off. We're, we understand, and something's missing. And it's the essential ingredient that we've come to know and actually use. So love is the essential ingredient. My greatest fear is that we'd put everything else in and it would look like it works and it wouldn't actually do anything. So I hope we love one another well. We put the smoke alarms in place so that they go off when we're missing that so we can adjust. Remember, as we close, cohesion is more important than vision if we want to accomplish the mission. How we are doing is more important than where we are going. And if we apply mission and try hard to make a difference for King Jesus, we live a seven-day, everyday life. Church is about gathering and empowering to go. Remember, this is not a landing place. It's a launching pad. We get here and we gather and we're prompted out into the world. We go live for the Lord. We come back. We gather. We get empowered. We do that over and over again in the cycle. And if we go and do that while pursuing a great and deep love for one another, we're going to have that perfect mix. Where we do mission well and we go to the world with the gospel well. We serve the poor well. We do all that well. While we love one another really well. Because this is the essential ingredient. So let me pray for us. I just want you to have a time now in, in your own heart with the Lord. Just to ask for forgiveness. Or whatever might be necessary in your own heart. There may be somebody that you need to express forgiveness to. Or ask for forgiveness from. Or maybe your heart's just cold because you haven't really been receiving the love of God. You've been doing and acting and maybe not completely ruining your life, but you haven't received the love of God. Maybe you're here and you didn't even know God loves you. Somebody brought you to church and I'm here to tell you we're so glad you're here and God loves you so much. He died on the cross for your sins. He rose from the dead. If you believe in his name and turn from your sins, you'll be saved. You can receive the love of God today and he'll give you it freely. If you trust in Him. So just do a little business with the Lord. For the next couple of minutes, just as the band comes up, as we prepare to sing, just deal with the Lord. And whether it needs to forgiveness and repentance or 
whether it's a renewal to go back to the Lord to receive love from Him, or whether it's to follow Jesus for the very first time, just take, take the sermon, take the Word of God, and just let it do a little work in your heart now in the quietness of this moment. Father, we love you so much, and we're so thankful for the love that you give to us. It's an amazing, steadfast, never-ending, undeserved love. And I pray that it would do a work in our heart, that it would be a fresh experience of that, that we would know it deeply in our core, that you love us. And I pray that's the love we would extend to one another. I pray, Lord, that the witness of this church would be its unity, its oneness, that that would be that unique thing about it and that the essential ingredient would be love lord just teach us what it means help us to apply that we certainly can't preach one sermon and all of a sudden be perfect at loving one another god so help us lord as we move from here and do our day-to-day -day life and and just go up and down and do good things and bad things and just help us progressively to grow in love and may we each take ownership of applying that essential ingredient i pray you would cover this church this house with love I pray that you would do that supernatural work, God, that you would empower us and that you would help us to receive your love for us and to love one another with the same kind of love you've given us. Lord, please, we can't do it. We cannot do it. And we ask that you would help us, that you would do it in and through us. So, Lord, as we sing even, just create love for you, love for one another. And, Lord, help us to live by that this week and as we continue as a church together. Lord, we love you, and that's why we sing. God, you're the best. And so we worship you now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We want you to stand and pray with me. Heavenly Father, we love you. And we thank you for the love you've poured out onto us in Jesus. Thank you that that love never changes. So help us to enjoy that, receive it, and extend it. Give it away to each other and to the world around us, Lord. Would you empower us to do that even now in this moment, God, we pray. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Hey, a couple things uh, real quick. Number one is we're meeting again next week. So we have, after this one, two more meetings until we launch full-time every week services. So next week, we're going to try the back-to-back. -back. So if you can be here to help us out, it would be fantastic. We're going to show up to come serve and, and be here with us. The service at 5 is normal like this. We get here around 3.30 to help set up and pray together and all those things. So next week, we're doing that. August 11th, we have one more service in the building here. Uh, and then the 15th at 10 a.m. we launch services in the morning, okay? So just be praying for that day. Just know that that's when it's coming. Just a reminder, on the 15th, 10 a.m., we're going to run services in the morning every week. We'd love for you guys to join with us. With that in mind, we do our, we're putting together our teams more, more and more short. So we've been pulling some stuff together, and it's been great, and the Lord's provided. Uh, but we're working on solidifying some more consistent teams that will be here for the long haul. So if you're interested in serving in any area at the church and you don't know quite what that looks like, please come talk to me. We'd love to plug you in as we build those teams out. I'd love to help you with that. 
Uh, finally, we have our VBS this week, so be praying all week. We are, we've been doing some ministry in the community and just praying kids and their families will come. Monday through Friday, we're serving 6 to 8.30, so this is a big deal. Hopefully, we can begin to engage and meet some of the families that will be here uh, and see the Lord make a difference in the community that is around us. So be praying a lot every day. If you can set it in your calendar or something, that would be great. We're going to be ministering to those kids 6 to 8.30 every day this week. Uh, if you have kids, bring them. That will be fantastic, too. It's a great way to get engaged with the families here bring your own kids, have your kids hang out with their kids, and voila, I'll just send you guys a friend. So do that. That would be great. So we'd love for you to participate in that 6 to 8.30. Finally, we have food in the back. And so we're going to eat together. Once again, yeah, it's a free meal. All that, those are good things. And you should stay for that. But we want to build something and create love for one another. And the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2, one of the four things the early church did was they broke bread together. So this is spiritually important that we eat together. God does something through food. I really believe that, honestly. Uh, so stay, eat, hang out, talk, meet people you don't know. Let's continue to build and get to know one another. And so that you can't love people you don't know. That's very difficult to do. So uh, get to know one another. Let's pursue that, all right? So we love you guys. Y'all go be the light of the world, and we'll see you next week. All right? Thank you very much for being here. Okay, peace.